Hey everybody, it's Marcia O'Connor here, CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group. And welcome back again to Top 3, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and their mistakes. We are so excited to have a dear friend of mine, Deborah Moses, here on our show today, I guess you could call it. And Deborah is actually with Arc Technology Consultants. And she, it's new for me to say that because she basically uh, just sold her business. And so now she's actually working with this new group that sold it. So Deborah, tell us, tell us a little bit about you and your company and new role. Well, the new role is very interesting. After being the CEO for 20 years, I am the VP of sales. Um, so that's new and exciting and different. Um, not it's, it's great in a lot of ways, not having to do all the things that I used to do in addition to sales. I just have to do sales, which is kind of cool. Um, Arc Technology Consultants is a group that uh, grew out of New York and they were previous owners of another consulting company. Um, so they know what they're doing. Uh, it's a gentleman named Walter Cook who bought the company. They, it's a great, great uh, initiative. They wanted to use our company, which was Veris Visalign, to start um, with something solid, right? Rather than build from scratch. So they bought another company in Branchburg, New Jersey, which is a small configuration shop, uh, you know, devices, basically, you know, configuration of devices. A lot of what they do is school districts, Chromebooks. And, um, and we're a full-fledged full Microsoft shop, and that's what they wanted. They wanted a Microsoft MSP. And now they're looking for additional um, smaller MSPs to bring into the fold. So they're, they're, they've, got a, they've got a plan, you know, they've got a plan. And uh, I wasn't getting any younger and it was time. <laughs> I get it. But 20 years on your own, you had a team, you, you built it from scratch and then you do that. You know, what comes in your mind is saying, hey, it's time. It's not an easy, it's not an easy decision at all. It took several years to get that up to that decision. I almost sold it two years ago and we got pretty far down the path and it wasn't the right partner. And I knew as we got down the path, it wasn't going to be the right partner for me. I wasn't sure I could be a partner. You know, I've been, I've been a solopreneur. Well, not a true solopreneur. I had a, a full, full-fledged business with lots of employees. Um, but I've been the only owner for a long time. Yeah. And I wasn't sure I'd be a good partner. And, you know, some days I'm still not. <laughs> so <laughs> some days I'm not sure they think I am. But, well, you know, we're, we're getting through it. We're seven months in. And the transition's going well. Um, the decision was one of several factors for me. One, it was, you know, the last 20 years, you know, I started this business in 2003. We all know what happened in 2007, 2008. That was not an easy time to get through. And we survived that, you know, so we, we were growing like crazy. And then we scaled way back. And then we started growing like crazy again. And then I bought Visalign in 2012. And we started growing like crazy and then 2014 or 15, we lost the client and it was a big one. So we had to scale back again. So this roller coaster has been, you know, you're, you're, you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, maybe not to the, to the depths that I've been to, but it's, it's gets tiring after a while. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at the writing on the wall. The last recession was 14, 15 years ago. Are we headed for another recession? I'm, at an age where I should be thinking about retirement. I want to be thinking about retirement. Do I really want to tackle what's going to happen? You know, for me to continue to grow the business where I was going, 
or where I wanted to go. I was going to need a round of PE funding. And, you know, I just didn't, it was easier to sell. You know, I didn't really want to, I didn't have the energy to go through that. I mean, I'm in my sixties. I really don't want to do this anymore for, you know, I, I kept saying to people, I don't want to do this for 10 more years. So yeah. uh, age was yeah. definitely a decision for me. Good for you though. It's a, it's a lot of factors that go through. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs listening today, they, you know, they always ask that question. It's like, they always say it's the entrepreneur's dream to sell. But when you're approached by other people that really want to buy you and you do all that stuff, it really is an emotional experience because it's your baby. It's the time you put into it. It's all the people that you've hired and met with and contact and you're taking care of their lives and all. really it's a hard decision. And, um, and so when did you know, like, what was that one thing that said, this is the right time right now? That's a really tough question because I got to that conclusion multiple times. Got it. Now, you know that, and then you go, eh, maybe I don't know that. And then you know it, and then you go, eh, maybe this isn't the right time. So, you know, it for me, it was a bit of a back and forth until I finally got to the point where like, when I knew it, honestly, when I truly knew it was the right thing was the day I signed the paperwork. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I signed the paperwork and I went downstairs because, you know, we were doing everything electronically because of, you know, we're, you know, still sure. trying to, since COVID, everything's electronic. Um, I went downstairs and I went, oh my God, I just sold my business. My husband went, really? It's done? And I said, yeah. And I showed him the bank account where the funds had just transferred. And he went, all right, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know the husbands are probably happy about that that's for sure yes. um but still at that emotional piece of you you know oh it was it. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry quite honestly right. yeah it's crazy time for sure and then moving into it and then you obviously you transition into your new role and how how has that been because you've been there a little bit now and you know what was the, the hardest thing for you to to like change the hardest thing for me to change is not making all the decisions. You know, I, I wanted, there was something I wanted to do. It was going to cost $5,000 for me. That's a no brainer. Right. And I went, I, I, I don't know if I should make this decision by myself. And I, I called Walter and I said, this is what I want to do. And he said, well, let's talk about it. And I was like, I haven't had to talk about this with anybody for a really long time. Like that, that's weird. Like not having the authority to make even a $5,000. I mean, I, in retrospect, he, he said, you, you should have just done this. I didn't really need to know about this, but you know, it's, it's one of those kinds of things where like, I was so used to doing everything and just making decisions. And now I'm like, and there were a couple of things that I did make decisions on. Then I went, Ooh, should I ask somebody about that? Right. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I don't know if I made a mistake there or not. So I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay in my lane. I'm really trying hard to stay in my lane and let other people do things, but things were getting missed and things were getting, and I'm like, wait, you guys have to do this. Wait, benefits are coming up. No one's done that. And I was getting nervous about certain things that weren't like being paid attention to as early as I would have paid attention to them. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you do have kids, you know, yeah. woman, woman, right? Your husband doesn't do things the way you would do them, but they're not wrong. Right. right? They, but oh, they yeah. would put a kid in a different outfit that you would put him in, but he's dressed, right? Completely so agree. that kind of, that kind of thing. Oh my gosh. And then, so you did this obviously for 20 years and being a female owner, obviously in the IT world, I'm sure no easy feat, uh, still isn't to this day. 
And, you know, um, this show is all about like successes and failures and all, you know, what were some of the things like, if you could just turn that clock back and said, this is what I would have done differently. You know, what are a few of those things? Well, I certainly still would have done the WBE certification. That's one thing I would have done. I would have used it differently. Um, you know, we have a, we have a friend uh, who's in uh, telecom, Kate Heyman, another one of our entrepreneur friends, and she did it right. She went right after those other WBE businesses and she's getting a lot of business from them. And she, she really networked that group. I would have done that. I would have networked that group harder. I didn't because I had a lot of contacts. I was already, I was already 45 when I started this business. So, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of, a lot of years before that of networking. So I didn't really need to do that. But in retrospect, I would have done that because I think I would have led me down different paths with longer term contracts that would have made us a little more stable faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that WBE has done a great job of like really getting visible and being out there. And the new leadership has done a phenomenal job, especially for the Philadelphia group. And, you know, I think they are really working very hard on that. And, and, you know, I don't understand people too, like you work so hard to get that certification in your very first time. It's, it's torturous, you know, it's like basically making you go naked because you have to see all the things under the covers. (laughs) And, um, and and it's it's not easy because not everybody is as organized when you're more junior as you are when you get older, because you sort of have to be on the business. So I tell people, I'm like, just get it. And now I'm beginning to see that there's a, there's a place for it in regards to like a lot of the clients that we have now will ask, are you um, a women-owned business? Do you have certification? Can you show that to me? You know, and before they would ask me that question, but they never asked for certification. They never asked for that. So it's, it's actually has grown significantly of the importance behind it. But I agree if you're a young female entrepreneur, um, not just for Philadelphia, but all over, really look into your um, certification for your area and get involved with that group of people because um, they're all entrepreneurs. They're all growing. It's a good group of people. And um, and they're going to give you some really good insights as well as other organizations too. Like I'm, I'm obviously, you know, very involved with EO Entrepreneurs Organization. And that has been a huge piece for me to learn so much, not only about this area, but also around the world about how it works around business and, you know, the growth and even small, crazy questions of like, what's the right amount to pay yourself? You know, no, we don't oh, have all the that's answers. That's a $96 million question. Right? Yeah. And, and nobody really has that answer. And so I remember asking one of my forum guys, I said, what do you, what do you, you don't mind, what do you pay yourself? And he was going, he told me and I said, okay, all right. And then because women are always like, oh, I don't deserve it. And I, you know, I keep hearing that from the women's side of the house. I'm like, when I talk to people, we don't deserve it. I'm like, yes, we do. Yes, you, we get, do. you get very, very quickly, you get to the point of, I'm not paying anybody else until I pay myself. When I first started the business, I didn't take a salary for the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I took a $30,000 salary because I was getting the WB and I had to take something. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the business couldn't afford it. Right. But you realize very quickly, the business needs to afford it because you need to be whole in order to be good for everybody else. It's just like they tell you as as you know, taking care of yourself, right? You have to yeah. you have to take care of yourself financially too. Yeah. In order to be good for everybody else, especially oh. when you have employees. And you don't, it's really hard as an entrepreneur when you're first starting out to pay somebody else more than you. And because it's not so much that they're not worth it, but then you're probably working three times as hard as that person. And not that they're not working, it's just that you're the owner. So you're putting in hours all over the place. And then you start getting angry 
that you did that. And right. so you have to make sure that you, you fix that because it's really, really important to put pieces out of advice. And I also think, you know, when you first start, I think, um, you know, entrepreneurs want everything to be perfect. They want their office to be perfect. <laughs> they want their marketing to be perfect. And I'm like, never you know, going to be perfect, never going to be perfect. And, you know, so give us an example of just like that first five years in business of something that you were like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, well, the marketing piece was fine. I mean, I, you know, I, I did, I, I literally started this business with $10,000 and spent most of it on marketing materials to make, to make us look like we were already, a, a, you know, a company that had some substance. Sure. Uh, what, I, what I wouldn't have done going back to the pay, paying yourself thing um, in 2007, when the um, recession hit, I kept people on that I shouldn't have kept that were not billable. And I stopped paying myself in order to pay them. And in retrospect, I haven't done that since, by the way, I, I did learn from that mistake um, because you can't do that. It's just not good business. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to, you know, even though a couple of them were friends, uh, you know, you, you feel, you know, your heart breaks that you have to lay somebody off, but it's happened to me a couple of times over the years where I've had to lay people off. It sucks, but yeah. it's, it's a reality of business at times. And I would not do that again. And I've never done that again. I've always made sure as you know, it was my business. I've always made sure. And I never took an exorbitant salary. I never took more. I talked to some other people and they're telling me what they're taking. And I'm like, really? Like, yeah. I don't even know how I could even afford to do that with this business. I take a reasonable salary for a CEO of a small company. Yep. So, you know, yep. and, and like you, I've done a lot of research with other people to see what that is, but I, I never made the mistake again of not paying myself and keeping other people on that I shouldn't have kept on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I also, I think that's another thing for entrepreneurs is uh, keeping people on and being the nice guy when you really, they're not really adding any value and they're sort of taking advantage of you and and you know it, but you want to be the nice guy and like, it'll get better, it'll get better, it'll get better. And it just doesn't. And then you start getting angry. Or it takes too long. Takes Right, it takes too long. And I think that's another big big thing for entrepreneurs to understand that, um, you know, who you have today of your business is probably going to look a lot different 15 years from now. Absolutely. And, 100%. And people, people don't get that. They're like, oh, I want to take care of this person. And, and they want to hire your friends and all. And I've, I've hired friends and I have, I still have my first employee, which is amazing. She's amazing. Um, and she was hired as a recruiter and she's still a recruiter and she's just amazing. And they just keep feeding her cheese and she does great things. <laughs> she loves cheese. Um, and, but I have other people that have had these high expectations and, and they don't understand now coming aboard. Like if someone says to me, I need, I want to, I want to have equity. I'm like, mm, well, you probably couldn't afford equity right now. You know what I mean? Because when right. you're like small two or three years, you can probably get in that. But when you're now I'm 16 years old now, it's a whole different ball game. You know, I have all these people. I don't know what people fully understand what that means well, people think they can still buy in for fifteen thousand dollars you know yes yes it doesn't and work that way doesn't work that way and right. i don't they don't see that and i also think like well you know we like this is one of the first few years because everything has been con contracted and we see that too like we're we're holding our own and my team is doing a phenomenal job of doing that but are we having the gravy we had two years ago no i said but you're keeping everything right. moving Same. But we have to educate them as to like, okay, we're not going to be doing this this year. We're not going to be doing this this year because of that. And right. I think sometimes that's hard because the past few years have been so gravy-ish. 
um, that they're like, what do you mean? And they haven't really been like, a lot of my guys probably were back in high school in 2007, you know, you and I both were in business at that time. 2008 was horrible. And um, terrible. It was terrible. And um, nobody was buying anything. Nobody wanted to use any services They cut everything off. And you just had to make do what you had. And I don't think we're going into a recession like that. I don't No, not yet. Not yet anyway. Yeah. But I do think next year's gonna be tight. And so I tell well, people and there and the first half of this year was tight. Yeah. You know, I, I saw a lot of a lot of difficulty with getting things signed, things were taking longer. You know, the economy's not bad right now, so to speak. Not like no. we had then. But oh. people were definitely feeling it in the beginning of this year. Oh I, yeah. I was definitely seeing it from from clients. I always tell people like the, the economy and the recruiting are like a barometer. I said, because like recruiting is up, that means see the economy is going well because people are spending extra money on hiring. When recruiting goes lower, you've got to keep in mind and that affects the economy. People aren't spending the extra. Right. We're saying, I don't need 10 people. I just need one person, you know, but the recruiting is still strong considering all that. So it's interesting. So tell me about when you went on your own, you had mentioned you were in your forties. That is awesome. Number one, because a lot of times people think, you know, I'm past 30. I can't do it. It's too late for me to start. What made you start at the time that you did? First of all, it's never too late to start for anybody listening and thinking about going out on your own. It's never too late to start. Do your research and make mm -hmm. sure you've got what it takes. Um, what made me do that? Um, I was working for a very large data storage company that had a very significant old boys network in it. Mm -hmm. um, and I got sort of sick of the misogyny. And I said, I'm done with this. I'm starting my own business. I came home one day and said to my husband, I'm starting my own business. I can do this. This is crazy. I'm not putting up with this anymore. And he said, you can't do that. We're gonna have two, we, have, we have four kids and two of them are ready to go to college in the next couple of years. And I said, watch me. You know, you know you, we're both making good salaries. We can live on one of these for a while. And um, I actually started the business while I was working for another company and left there three or four months later. Mm -hmm. um, Honestly, I left there almost because of a lawsuit because I was ready to sue them. So, it, you know, I needed to get out of it. I had just had it with looking at what other people were doing in large companies. And I had worked for a small company, smaller company before that. And I wanted to get back into consulting the way I wanted to do it and the way I knew it could be done well. I had seen, I had seen from a previous company, um, the founders that started Forte Systems, which then became Visalign, which I eventually bought. Um, those founders were excellent at creating a culture and making people feel valued and helping people understand their value and their contribution to the company. And I wanted to do that. I knew I could do that. That company to this day, now you're talking, I started this business 20 years ago. So it was five years before that, that I left there. Um, that company still has an alumni group on LinkedIn. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, that's the culture we had. We had, and I'm still talking to people. Some of those people are now my clients, people that worked for me before. Some of them work for me now. Um, some of them were my colleagues then and work for our company now. And some of them have become clients. They've grown through the ranks. They were engineers or PMs before, and they've grown up into senior managers and CIOs and they're decision makers now at some of my clients. Oh my God, um, I love that. Yeah. I love the idea of that, so- it's really the culture piece was important to me. Yeah, I think it, I think a lot of, well, 
I wouldn't say all, but I think a lot of specifically female entrepreneurs culture is very important. And uh, I definitely have seen that. At least of my, all of our female friends in the Philly marketplace, I've seen that a lot of that. And we've said, we'll do anything to keep that culture and keep our people happy and make it really happen. But, you know, what and that's think- one of the things though, Marsha, that when you're going to sell and it's important to you, you have to have the right buyer. You have to True. have the right buyer because that was one of the points that I was looking for was somebody who would have the right, at least attitude about the culture. Yep. No one's going to, no one's going to keep the culture the way you had it a hundred percent, you know, no one's oh, going to yeah. promote it the way you're going to white, the way you would promote it, but to have that mindset. Yep. And, you know, like you were saying earlier about the emotions of it, that was part of the emotional piece of it for me. I wanted mm. to let it go to somebody who I at least thought would have, and I still think has the right attitude about the, about the culture. Yeah, I think, but when do you find that out though? Because, you know, um, it's tough. You don't yeah. know, you know, you never know. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, you know, think about when you met your husband, did you know he was going to be a good husband? This on the second date. I mean, you know, who knows? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I felt as though the people Walter was bringing to the table and Walter himself were going to be the right people. Right. But you don't know that until you get into it. I mean, once you sign the papers, all bets are off. Right. So, you know, fortunately it's panning out to look like I was right. And you know, that I'm feel like at this point, I'm hopefully a decent judge of character, (laughs) not always sometimes, obviously, but you know, I feel like, you know, you have to, you have to trust your gut. I mean, that's one of the things about it when you've done this, as long as you and I have both done it, you absolutely have to trust your gut. Yeah, you do. I think sometimes too, we, I think, it's the best thing ever. And even though I've listened, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll follow your attention. But my gut said, no, oh my gosh, that I can't tell you how many times I was like, darn it, darn it, darn it, darn it. I should listen to my gut. I knew I was right on that. And, um, you know, because it, what happens is everybody looks like, oh, we're sorry. I'm like, mm, because it's your problem. It's really not their problem. It's your mm-hmm. problem. And, um, and that's, that's, mm. You live and learn, right? I tell Daddy my son is the day. head that wears the crown, honey. Yeah, you live and learn, <laughs> kind of a deal. So let's talk about the female side of the house and how far have you come in that perspective. What was like one thing that happened to you that you remember distinctly that was just like, and you felt because you were a female, this had happened. And you know what was it, and what did you do? Well, there are two things that come to mind. One is a is a quick technical story. I was in a data center. And I was wearing, you know, it was back in the days, days of suits and heels. Yep. And I was wearing a pair of heels. And I always wore three inch heels, no matter what. Of course um, you did. Yeah. I was I always spent nothing less, Deb. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was in a data center and the CIO came in and put his arm around me Ooh. and said, Deb, you see that orange cable right there? Don't step on that. That has fiber inside of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm aware of that. Thank you. Like, I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. Like, it was like, are you serious right now? Like what was going in my head was words I will not say on your, on your show, but like what was going through my head was like, you're kidding me, right? Like you're saying this to me. So that's one thing that like, yeah, I don't take any grief from anybody. I mean, like I, I've always had some shade of blonde, but like, there's a lot in between those years, you know? 
So I've never played the dumb blonde card and maybe I have a couple of times when it's worked to my advantage. I don't know. Um, but the other thing that comes to mind um, is I was, before I ever had this business, I was in another company. I was working as a consultant and it was a large pharma company and that isn't even in, in business anymore. It's been bought up by another. And uh, I was asked to review European contracts because they were putting together uh, a European contingent uh, telephony contract and it was tariffs and this and that, things I wasn't familiar with. So, you know, I, of course, back in the day, printed it all out, made notes in the margins, went to the meeting, planning to be a fly on the wall in the meeting. Cause I'm thinking I'm, you know, I was, I don't know, I was 30 at the time, maybe 32. And I'm thinking, I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm, I have I have questions are probably stupid questions. I'm not going to ask any of these questions. I'm just going to listen. I'll learn from the meeting. I go into the meeting and everybody had the same questions I had. And you go, okay, maybe I do know what I'm talking about, right? That was an aha moment for me when the people way more senior than me that I completely respected had the same questions about the contract document that I had. And it was like, whoa, okay. I'm thinking I'm naive and maybe a little on the stupid side here and I'm right in line with what everybody else was thinking. So it was, that was definitely, that was definitely a moment when I knew I could do it. You I kind of, all... knew, kind of knew at that point mm -hmm. that I could do whatever I set my, my sights to, but, but it goes back even farther than that. I mean, I know, you know, her Cohen executive leaders radio, um, he asked me way back when, as he asks, everybody probably asked you too. What, what were you doing when you were eight or nine, right? Yep, he did. And my mom died when I was eight. I made my first Thanksgiving dinner when I was 12 years old. So like you grow up that way and you realize you're pretty capable, but the business piece was like capable is one thing. You can do things, you know, I guess that's where I learned to become a project manager. I don't know. But when you get into business and you realize in a meeting like that, that you do have the brains, to go with it right i kind of always knew i was smart but always doubted that oh yeah so you know like you said earlier as women we, we tend to second guess ourselves you know too much the other thing i did that so i i'm answering your question threefold i'm sorry but the other thing i did was i learned how to negotiate women are not taught to negotiate it's a pet peeve of mine ladies if you haven't ever taken a negotiating course if you haven't ever read a negotiating book if you haven't ever practiced negotiating with someone, go do it, please, 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 because you need to be good at this. And I'm a pretty decent negotiator now. And it's because I learned, I taught myself how to negotiate. And that's, that's really important. Extremely important. And always, um, and you know, I hate to say this too, ladies, if you're in business, I mean, I, I preach this all the time, know your numbers, Absolutely. know your numbers. Do not rely on another person to tell you, I mean, obviously you need somebody to help you put them together, but understand what they mean and make sure you get access to them almost on a daily basis. Um, because when I hear question now, them, if they don't look right, right. And, and ask questions and see variances. And um, because if it doesn't sound right, look right, feel right, probably not right. And I think people put a lot of hope in, and listen, I'm a former accountant. There's a lot of great accountants out there. I agree but there's a lot of people being taken advantage of. 
And I get really upset when I see that, when I hear with people, well, I'll get my financials in two weeks. I'm like, what? No, 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 no. There's too much great technology out there for not to happen. And you're right. Negotiation is a big area as well. And, and just understanding how the flow goes. And there's so many things that to reach out and, and talk to other entrepreneurs on and learn from, because I feel that that's why it's so needed. Um, so these are great examples. And, you know, obviously what you're doing in your path and you grew and, you know, you have a family, you have four kids, you know, you're a mom. I mean, how did you do it all? Because it's not as easy as people think, but it can be done. Well, the kids are one of the reasons I did do it. You know, I was in my 40s. My kids were becoming teenagers and I, I was traveling a lot. I was working for a consulting company and I was traveling a lot and I wanted to be around. And I knew if I started my own business, I could be around more. Mm-hmm. And um, I needed to be here. I needed to, you know, my son was a drummer. So when you have one that's a drummer, they all practice at your house because the drums are harder to transport than other things. At least back then they were real drums, not electronic drums. Um, you know, guitars and amps are easier to move than drums. So they practiced at my house. And, you know, if they're in your basement, you can hear what they're doing. You can smell it if they light something up that they're not supposed to be lighting. You can you know, you know, you know what they carry down there. So, you know, I, I wanted to be around. I wanted to be, you know, the kids were part of my decision, definitely. And as they were growing up, you know, we had, we had a blended family. So I didn't have all four all the time. I had two all the time. And then I had another two on weekends. Um, so it was, it was um, a juggling act. And for a long time, I said to people, no matter, um, you know, I never, I'm not a, person who gets really stressed out about things. I just have learned, I guess, over the years to go with the flow. But I used to think no matter where I am and what I'm doing, I always feel like I should be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough way to live your life. And you have to give yourself permission to like have a little bit of downtime. If I sat down and read a book for two hours, I felt guilty. So, you know, you, you kind of have to be kind to yourself in those ways, but the kids were part of the part of the reason. They totally were. It's a, it's a total juggling act. It's not easy. There's no getting around that, you know, no. especially if you have, it, you know, I, I give people like my next door neighbor, I can see out the window of my home office has a special needs child who's almost 10 and they have a five-year-old, almost five-year-old. And he is a crazy lunatic five-year-old, you know, who's running rampant and, you know, And it's, I don't know how people with little kids do it. My kids were going into their teens and I give people, especially this last few years through COVID, I give people that had to homeschool and everything else that have little ones, a lot of credit. Um, But the kids are, the kids were a big part of my decision. Yeah. I think that's usually, I see that as a commonality of a lot of um, the people I talk to, the moms. And uh, I was, I was mine. My son was uh, six at the time and he looked up over me at the kitchen and mom, can I see you more? And I said, hmm, yep. And I've been always thinking about doing my business. And then six months later, I quit. And I had like you, I only had 8,000. And I said, well, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it last at least minimum six months and see if I can do this. And, um, and here we are. But, you know, it's interesting that the, the things you take as people, my brother-in-law, you know, for the longest time, um, he would say to me, so I, you had clients that when you started and you quit your job, right? I said, I had zero clients when I right. quit my job. Me too. It was a hope and a prayer. And I have a little little check that says you have to last me for eight months. And being the breadwinner, it was 
it was a lot, you know, but it was, if you really believe in yourself and keep telling yourself failure is not an option, failure is not an option and, um, and don't make you it, know, you know what I mean? It's interesting. That's what people said to me. You know, people would say to me, I, well, how, how did you know you were going to succeed? And, you know, but women would say to me, I could never do what you did. Well, what do you think I did that you didn't do? Well, you left a six figure job. How did you know you were going to succeed? And my response has always been the same. It, my gut reaction to that comment, the first time I heard it was, it never occurred to me I wasn't going to succeed. It there really didn't. It never occurred to me at the time. I mean, since then, there have been a couple of times when I've been like, are we going to go under? Like, is it, you know, but, you know, that's those bottom of the roller coaster, right? But it never occurred to me. Like, it literally never occurred to me that I wasn't going to succeed. And I eventually wrote a book about it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just go, yeah, that never occurred to me. I'm just not a negative person. So. No, you're not. So let's talk about that book real fast. You know, tell us about the book. Tell us why well, the you book wrote is it. ancient. The book is ancient. It was called, um, uh, change your life. The core approach to creating the life you want. I just found I'm, I'm moving. So I just found a couple boxes of it downstairs. I haven't tried to promote it for years. It, it, it was written in 2004. It was really about the core approach choice, opportunity, responsibility, and expectation, which still, it's still valid. I mean, it's still a valid approach, right? Make, you know, make conscious choices. Don't just let life happen to you. When I give talks to, you know, other women's groups and stuff, I'll say things like, how many people do you know that said, I want to be a FedEx driver when I grow up? Well, you know, kids want to be doctors or lawyers or accountants or whatever their parents were, or firefighters or, you know, trash truck operators, things that they're excited about when they're kids. Um, doesn't mean we don't need FedEx drivers, please. We need you all. Um, but, you know, it, and it's and it's a valuable position, but it's not necessarily something people say when they're growing up. I want to do this, but make conscious no. choices and don't just let life happen to you. And then go out and find opportunities to make those choices become a reality. Go look for the for the opportunities to make your life happen the way you want it to happen. So many people just sit back and go. Well, I can't do that because I don't have this or I don't know that. Well, go find this or that. Go read six books. You can become an expert on something if you read five or six books on it. Um, the responsibility piece is about others, right? right. If you're going to move out, if you're in a corporate setting and you want to move out of your position, you better have somebody ready to come into that position right. or at least have other people trained to be able to handle the, the department. So if you're not there, it's just like being an entrepreneur, right? People, this business has to run without us right? Right. You got to be able to go on vacation. I have to be able to go on vacation. Business got to run without you and making sure that other people have what they need while you're doing your thing. And then expectation is about making sure that you have expectations that you can accomplish. When you look in the mirror at night and you say, I'm going to go to sleep now. Can I sleep? You know, nine times out of 10, you can sleep well because you set appropriate expectations for yourself. Right. You know, the sales salesperson who goes into the sales manager's office and hears, oh, well, we're going to raise your quota from a million to a million and a half. And they leave the office and go, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Yep. But if they go out and they say, OK, what do I need to do differently than I did last year? Because my quota is now one and a half times what it was last year and go at, go at it that way. Then yep. you, you have a much better shot at getting that accomplished. So that's that's the core approach. It's a pretty easy concept. Oh, it is. And I tell people, if you've been so successful your whole life and then, but you doing this, you don't think you're going to be successful. They think again, 
because you don't have it in you not to be successful. So if you work that hard, to me, it was like, why would I just work for myself that hard? And I had so many friends tell me that. And it was always that fear. Am I, am I disappointing this and disappointing that? You're disappointing anybody else but yourself. And uh, so I think it's really important to do that. Um, so let's talk. I know we're going to probably wrap up real fast, but what are you reading right now? Right now, honestly, I'm not reading anything other than something very light. I'm reading a series of books about Hilton Head Island written Ooh. by a local author. Um, and it's sort of a sort of a she becomes sort of a detective. She's not really a detective like on a detective for she has her own she has her own business. She's an entrepreneur, um, but she's an investigator. And it's about, you know, the difficult spots she gets into. It's very light and it's very quick reading because I'm moving and I'm in a show and I'm doing 8 million other things and I really don't have a lot of time to read. So I'm reading a few pages at night before I go to bed. Um, I'm also reading a few pages in the morning of Diana, her true story, because I just always admired her. And it was, they reprinted that and reprinted some of the stuff that had, or, and printed some of the stuff that had never been out about mm -hmm. her. So I was a little fascinated by that. So I was kind of reading two things at one time, you know, a few oh, minutes awesome. in the morning, a few minutes at night, just to kind of yeah. chill. chill out a little bit. Do you do a book or do you do audible? Um, I don't usually do audible because I'm not in the car as much as I used to be. So it's been books or, you know, uh, some of them are on my tablet, but yeah. you know, I like, I like holding a book in the summertime. Yeah. I don't blame you. I, I do too. I like that. Just having it in there. I do both. I'm like, probably, well, I'm crazy. I, I listened to like six books at one time and I just love learning. I, can't I frequently do too, but there's way too many things going on that squirrel wheel right now in my head. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of different <laughs> things. I mean, you have this new thing you're doing. It's like, now that you're the sales, it's a whole different thing. You could focus on sales, which is like, what's that feel like? Right. right. Because you've been focusing on everything and now you got to focus on sales, which is probably really a weird thing. It's to very do. different. It's very different. Yeah, I bet it is. Absolutely. So pieces of advice, you've done it, been there, had a business from scratch, started it up, got it moving, um, you know, grew up a lot of adversity there too, because you had to be like, like the person making things happen and being that person responsible. What two pieces of advice would you give out there to an entrepreneur trying to make it, <clears throat> trying to get going, going into a tough, tough period in the economy too. We've all been there. <clears throat> so what two pieces of advice would you give them? The first piece of advice I would give them is find an advisor and be willing to pay that person. You need a sounding board. You need an advisor who's been there, done that. You think you can't afford to pay them. That's the best money you're ever going to spend. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. And the other piece is one that we already talked about. Learn to negotiate. Figure out your negotiating strengths and yep. play on them. Um, because if you don't have those two things, you're going to be stuck at times with like an, oh my God, I don't know what to do about this yep. sort of mentality. And you never want to be stuck with that if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Totally agree. And there's some great on YouTube or TEDx. Um, TED has got some really good programs about negotiation. Absolutely. Emails. Um, so you don't have to spend a lot of money out there. Like I know it's, you can learn it all online free. Yep. I definitely spend the time to do that. It's definitely worth it because you're, especially I think them as being a female, like you, people will try to get one over us a lot and they still do. Um, and you have to really know yourself, be prepared. Do yeah, it's really homework. sad, but you're hundred percent right. I know, isn't it? I'm like, Ugh. and I, and sometimes I feel COVID pushed us back even further, but 
that's a whole <laughs> conversation for another day. Um, so we'll see. But um, cool beans. Well, Deborah, congratulations on the sale. Congratulations on the on the wedding of, of your daughter. And so many great things happening. And I'm hoping you find some time for yourself. But um, thanks for being on our show today. And always, always, always a pleasure to see you, my dear. So thanks for inviting me. It was lovely. Thank you my so much. Pleasure. My pleasure. And um, hang out and have a good summer. And uh, for everybody out there today listening, you know, just you got this. And there's so many people to reach out to. Reach out to us. And Deborah, if they want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Deb Moses at arctci.com, arktci.com. Uh, so you can certainly reach out through our website. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that's it for today. This is uh, I'm Marcia O'Connor, CEO of the O'Connor Group. Today was top three, having Deborah Moses on here. And until then, you know, keep plugging away out there. Everybody, you got this. If you need any help, please reach out to us. And uh, we are here for you. But enjoy the rest of the day and we'll talk soon.